it is 7.06. Um, so I think we can call this meeting to order if you want to do it. Okay. Uh, call. Commissioner Ali. Present. Commissioner Daniel. Commissioner Dillard. Commissioner Gathua. Present. Commissioner Johnson. Here. Commissioner Harris. Commissioner Nobis. Commissioner Rivera. Here. And Commissioner Traore. Here. Thank you. All right. Next is the land acknowledgement. We meet today in the community of Iowa City, which now occupies the homelands of Native American nations to whom we owe our commitment and dedication. The area of Iowa City was within the homeland of the Iowa, Muskwaki, and Sauk. And because history is complex and time goes far back beyond memory, we also acknowledge the ancient connections of many other indigenous peoples here. The history of broken treaties and forced removal that dispossessed indigenous peoples of their homelands was and is an act of colonization and genocide that we cannot erase. We implore the Iowa City community to commit to understanding and addressing these injustices as we work toward equity, restoration, and reparations. All right. Um, so we have the approval of the minutes from February 3rd. Uh, does anyone have any edits to make or anything like that? Motion to approve. Second. Properly moved and seconded to approve the meeting minutes from February 3rd. Uh, Commissioner Ali. Yes. Commissioner Gathua. Present. Uh, Commissioner Rivera. Yes. Commissioner Johnson. Yes. And Commissioner Traore. Yes. Thank you. Passes 5-0. Um, next is public comment of items not on the agenda. Um, and TRC members will not engage in discussion with public concerning said items. Um, we'll start with people on Zoom. Nobody. Does anyone in here have a public comment? All right. Um, so agenda item number six uh, is a presentation um, from Heidi and Dina on the exclusionary discipline on elementary students in the ICCSD. Um, so I will give the floor to you ladies. And I, we're going to start with Heidi, who's going to kind of introduce the larger framework of this issue. And then I'll take over um, and go into more particulars uh, about what's happening here in the ICCSD. Thank you, everyone, for inviting us to present tonight. I think I've spoken to a couple of you commissioners uh, who are present, and so it's good to see you. Uh, I'm going to be talking a little bit about exclusionary discipline in the school to prison pipeline. My name is Heidi Pierce. I'm a criminal justice and psychology professor. Uh, I teach at multiple institutions, but I have my Kirkwood affiliation here and my email address. I would love to engage with you further after tonight. If you would like to send me an email, it's Heidi.Pierce at Kirkwood.edu. And I will also put that in the chat later. So uh, I kind of came to this work after some time spent in prison, working as a senior advisor and adjunct professor for the University of Iowa's Liberal Arts Beyond Bars program. 
So I taught classes related to psychology, mental health in prison, wellness, neurodiversity. And as I got to know my students who were incarcerated, I found that a lot of them had kind of gotten caught up in the school to prison pipeline and that they had started going down that path of incarceration from the time they were very young, some of them even in elementary school. So I'm going to talk about some very difficult topics. I have about seven minutes I'll be presenting, but I did want to pose a trigger warning that I will be talking about racism, ableism, and violence. So anyone who um, needs to leave or mute or step away from the presentation, please do so. And I also have the website here for uh, community, which is our local crisis center. They have crisis chat and crisis phone. And I also have the Iowa warm line phone number here as well, which is a peer run telephone based non-crisis uh, line for people who are experiencing some overwhelming emotions. So I wanna start just by talking a little bit about mass incarceration. This is a term that many of you I'm sure have heard of. The United States has 5% of the world's population, but we have 20% of the world's incarcerated population. So here in the US, we incarcerate a higher percentage of our citizens than any other country in the world. This mass incarceration goes back to systemic racism and the 13th Amendment to the US Constitution. Uh, in this amendment, it says it's unconstitutional to be held as a slave unless you are a quote criminal. So this was a loophole that allowed uh, formerly enslaved people to be exploited by labeling them as quote criminals and continuing the forced labor. Right now in the United States, about 1.8 to 2 million people are incarcerated. Approximately 60,000 of those are juveniles. There are horrific racial disparities with black, indigenous, and people of color being incarcerated at a much higher rate than white Americans. The most at-risk de de uh, demographic group are black males. One in three black males will be incarcerated at some point in their lives. Here are some other statistics related to race, gender, and incarceration. And you can see that for both men and women, um, African-American or black individuals are at much higher risk of incarceration than Latinx uh, individuals or uh, white individuals have the lowest risk of incarceration. So how do people end up in prison? Uh, some of them are arrested as adults, but many fall into what we refer to as the to prison pipeline and these are policies and practices that make it more likely that students will be kind of funneled into these confinement and punishment systems. So I gave a two-hour talk about this the other day and I'm trying to do this in just a few minutes. Uh, I will share the link if anyone's interested in watching the two-hour presentation um, about this but just briefly some of the policies that can funnel children into the school to prison pipeline are things like seclusion and restraint, suspending a child. Anytime a child is suspended, they're losing out in an instructional time and they're also uh, being separated from their peers. When they come back, that can make it awkward and difficult for them. Zero tolerance policies, school resource officers or police in schools, which we're very fortunate that we do not have that here in Iowa City at this time. But we do still have a lot of referrals to law enforcement. I was actually talking to one of my students today 
who works in an after-school program at a local elementary school, and she has been trained that anytime a child is having a meltdown, um, to call the police, not the mobile crisis unit, which is there and an option, but they are trained to call the police. And so we know that our black and brown children and our disabled children are at much higher, much higher risk of um, enduring police violence, if that's the case. Not all of the removals from the classroom are documented. Some of these are referred to as informal removals. So there are children who are being taken out of the classroom due to behaviors that the teachers think are unacceptable. They might be sitting in the office or some other room for four to five hours, and yet they are not documenting that as a in-school or out-of-school suspension. It's not being documented anywhere. Um, sometimes kids are kind of pushed out of school with school staff, encouraging parents to homeschool, or um, they're being suspended so many times that the parents really feel like it's a challenge to their own children's mental health. And there are a lack of resources in our schools, mental health training, cultural uh, inclusiveness. Um, there are many things that we could do to make things better, but the exclusionary discipline is still the go-to. So I am out of time. I will stop sharing and it will be Dina's uh, presentation now. Thank you. All right, extremely efficient, Heidi. Very impressed. Um, I will try to be similarly efficient. So to bring it to um, local level, um, I'm, I'm, my name is Dina Bashara. I'm a parent, um, as Heidi is. Uh, I also work for Big Brothers Big Sisters. I'm also the parent of a child with a disability who's autistic. Um, I, along with other parents, including Heidi, um, a few years ago started the ICCSD Mental Health Special Education and Disability Advocacy Group. We've um, advocated on many different issues, including seclusion and restraint, um, right now focusing on exclusionary discipline. Um, Heidi touched on uh, some of this. Um, just to review, in-school suspension is a removal from the classroom and instruction. Out-of-school suspension is a temporary removal from the school building. And as Heidi mentioned, informal removals are de facto in an out-of-school suspensions that are not recorded. They're technically not allowed, but we know they happen. Um, in the ICCSD on average since 2015, Black students have made up 19% of enrollment, but are 63% of all students suspended. Disabled students, those with IEPs, are 9% of enrollment, but make up 41% of students suspended. And free and reduced price lunch students, the lower income students, are about 37% of the student population, but are 80% of students who are suspended. Um, in the previous, uh, in the 2020-2021 school year, 75% um, of school suspensions were Black students, and that's actually an increase. We saw the same thing with students with disabilities. Um, the percentage of students with disabilities who were making up suspensions increased. Um, and this is while overall the number of suspensions are going down, but we see the disparities, the disproportionality persisting or indeed getting worse. And I like to say reported suspensions because we know that this data doesn't really cover everything. Just to break it down, we don't get this information from the school district, but every few years, the Office of Civil Rights um, at the US Department of Education collects data. And so we can see how race and disability intersect. Um, so for instance, you can see here that um, of the race and ethnicity of IDA students, that's 
Individuals with Disabilities and Education Act, so students with disabilities receiving disciplinary actions. Um, black students made up about 32% of students in special education, but they made up about 57% of special education students who were suspended. Um, and then overall, just as a side note, because Heidi mentioned we haven't really focused so much on referrals to law enforcement, um, but just to see how disability affects that as well, 62% um, of all referrals to law enforcement in this survey year were of students in special education. Um, interestingly enough, in that particular survey year, um, Black IDEA students were not overrepresented in this one area. Um, the suspension um, of elementary students, is a, that's kind of what we're focusing on now. Um, about a third for over the past three years of all suspensions have been of elementary school students. So students as young as six can be suspended. Um, basically why we're making this push is that the research is very clear that exclusionary disciplinary practices like suspension are anti-evidence-based, they're ineffective, they're actively harmful, and they're most harmful, of course, to our most marginalized students, and that's our Black disabled and poor students. Um, the United States Commission of Human Rights in 2019 clearly stated um, that students of color with disabilities face exclusionary discipline, pushing them into the school to prison pipeline at much higher rates than their peers. The American Institute for Research said in 2021 that more severe exclusionary discipline has a consistent negative effect on many other long run educational outcomes for students. And um, the Positive Behavior Intervention and Support Technical in, uh, Assistance Center, um, their research says that suspensions are not an effective deterrent to future problem behavior. So we don't see a justification for the continuation of these practices. Um, we've had about 199 individuals um, sign our call to end exclusionary discipline for elementary students. Um, and also the following organizations. And so part of the reason we're here is to just humbly ask you to consider um, as individuals or a group to um, join um, these folks in asking the school district to end the practice of exclusionary discipline um, for elementary students. And I, if, if we have time, I know Heidi and I are very happy to take any questions or comments or feedback on this. And I will stop sharing. Okay, we'll start with any questions um, from anyone on Zoom. If you have any questions, just raise your hand. Hmm? Is no one on Zoom. Oh. <laughs> I was like, I can't. Um, does anyone in here have any questions? What about commissioners? Do you guys have any questions? I went to the two-hour presentation the other day, so it was very awesome. This is Commissioner Rivera. Hi um, to both of you. Thank you so much for presenting this information, Diana. I haven't met you, but um, luckily I have an open communication with Heidi, which I'm very grateful for, and I've um, heard um, some of what she presented as well. Um, I wonder if um, uh, you might um, 
at some point uh, just provide the the sources for this information. Just I think that would be helpful for us to have on hand as we continue to talk about this issue, um, uh, so we can have that available. Um, you know. I, with uh, the times that I've heard this information and I've seen the data collected in, in PDF form and um, it, it doesn't get easier to hear, right? Uh, I think Iowa City pr uh, purports itself to be a lot of things. And, um, you know, this is some of the most compelling evidence um, that this is not the progressive community that, or equal community um, that we think that we are. Um, it's hard for us to hear these things um, but it's important for us to see them. And so I, I just want to thank you for um, for educating our community and um, for trying to sort of propose um, directions for us to move in. Um, I personally think that we should have a vote tonight about um, adding our name uh, as the Truth and Reconciliation Commission to this list of um, community organizations. Um, and I'd, hap I'd be happy to <laughs> talk about why I think that, but I I'll open it up to my other commissioners to hear um, their thoughts as well. Um, I just added my name to it. <laughs> Do you wanna vote on it then? Do you wanna make a motion? I'll make Bef a motion. Before we do that, I just wanted to thank you, uh, Dina and Heidi, for your presentation. Uh, I do these, uh, although for me personally, it's triggering. For the last 20 years, I've been in Iowa, in Iowa City. I've been a parent in the district. I am a licensed school counselor in Iowa. I am a counselor educator and a researcher and a teacher on social injustice. So, and what you were talking about, I have had personal experience with that. I still continue doing so. And I fear for my first grandchild who just turned two yesterday so she is my main motivator as I continue fighting social injustice in my city. And my daughter is one of the school counselors in the district. So it's very, very personal. Thank you for your work. It adds to the body of knowledge that we have on this. It's not just a topic, it's people's lives and destruction of people in mass. So as we continue looking at ourselves and wanting what we have for those people, thank you for adding your voice to this, to this cry. And Yes, I do agree with my fellow commissioners that we should add our, our voice to the bodies that are part of this, of ending exclusionary discipline in our district. Thank you. Thank you. So if you guys just wanna hang around for the vote and then Dina, do you mind just adding if, if we pass that, if 
we do do you mind adding our name and then we can sign individually if we choose to do so because we all have that link yeah absolutely and I added it in the chat too and along with some um my editorial was yesterday I don't know if that's the best way to get it to you guys that includes more research and but I'll make sure I um send our full report which I also linked in the chat but our full report that has even more research in it um per one of the other commissioners request but yes I'd be happy to add you after the vote yeah and you have Steph's email so if that information if you just want to send it to Stephanie at any time and she can send it to the rest of us commissioners the only thing I'll add before I make the motion is I'll suggest that um, you also reach out to the um, Human Rights Commission as well I, I think that they would be very willing and, and um, receptive to this call to action as well Thank you. I'll also add something before we vote that I'm also in a position as the coordinator of NISA African Family Service in Iowa City, mm -hmm. and we, we work with Kirkwood and ICCSD to improve the lives of, although our mission is to, is to help and provide services for those who are facing sexual violences, we also partner with those who work on improving the lives of Africans in our city and our county and our state. So I am in a position to work with you and make that decision that we can also add NISA to, to the organizations that are, that are on this list. Thank you so much. And um, both Heidi and my emails in the chat as well. And I can also email that to, um, to Stephanie. I really, we're so grateful to you for your support. So this is Commissioner Rivera. I'll make a motion that um, we allow these organizers to add um, the Iowa City Ad Hoc Truth and Reconciliation Commission to the list of uh, individuals and organizations calling on the Iowa City Community School District to end um, exclusionary disciplinary, disciplinary practices as so presented tonight. Second. Commissioner Ali? Yes. Yakova? Yes. Thompson? Absolutely. Commissioner Rivera? Yes. Yes. Motion passes 5-0. Thank you. We are very honored. Thank you so much. Feel free to email the school board too. Yes. There's there's a school board meeting this Tuesday where I'll be presenting our um, call officially with all the signatories. So thank you so much. Thank you guys so much for your time. We really appreciate it. Thank you. Um, so with item number seven on the agenda, the update on the excluded workers fund, um, Commissioner Harris was supposed to give that, but due to childcare um, needs, he's not here. Um, I don't have. Okay. I was gonna say, does anyone have updates? Um, um the only thing i have that i feel comfortable like actually saying for you know it being confirmed is that for the last meeting for the board of supervisors um group of excluded workers had tried to enter the meeting once again and they were met with uh, sheriffs uh, at the door even before being able to enter so uh yeah, essentially just 
still being stonewalled and no real commitments just yet um, to the Exclude Workers Fund in itself. Uh, I do know that uh, right now they're just kind of working out the criteria of how these funds are distributed still, whether it's that lottery type system or uh, like the 10 different points of qualifying or something like that. Yeah. Yeah. I remember yeah. that. So, so that's still just where things are. Everything is pretty much up in the air. Um, yeah, I was gonna say the last that I, the last time I watched was during the supervisor meeting earlier this week. And I know that there was oh, quite a few public commenters on it. Oh, Eric, goes Eric. Oh. Commissioner Harris. Commissioner Harris. Yes, I'm here. I'm sorry. I got overwhelmed no. with fatherly duties. I was cooking and just. You're okay. Uh, that was yeah. perfect timing, actually. Um, we're just talking about the update on the excluded workers fund. Um, Mohammed okay. had just. Uh, right before you got on, he had mentioned um, that the at the last meeting, um, excluded workers tried to get in um, and weren't able to. And then I, I just wasn't sure at what point. I just had heard the public comment during the last meeting. So if you have anything to add, um, yes, I do. Um, so. I went to the meeting this morning and the public comment was pretty short. Um, I went on my own because um, the excluded workers didn't want to come because um, on the previous meeting that they had about that, they had about um, David, um, he told me it had to be a dozen deputies there, you know, and, and, and so he, he decided that he didn't want to show up and I showed up on my own at nine o'clock this morning. And I went there and I made a public comment and a couple other people made a public comment and it was about 15 minutes and they moved on. And it, it really is not, you know, it's kind of a thing that um, it's kind of disturbing, you know, at this point, because, um, you know, some commissioners have reached out to the treasury and the next thing I know, I see another commissioner who's um, out in Washington, D.C., trying to go go over what the Treasury said. And so it's kind of just getting too far and just just going a little bit too far. You know, um, I, I like at, like at this point, you know, I support the excluded workers fund, but it's just it's too political at this point, you know, where I, if if I can sit down with all the people that, that are involved in it and who have an interest in it and we could sit down and talk about it, that would be great. But with, you know, with like, with like John Green calling out and being able to discover that um, treasury rules wasn't being followed. And then the next thing I know, I look up and it's another, it's, I'm just going to say it, it's Roy Sam Porter's in Washington DC talking about that she wants to go and see what the treasury is saying, that's going a little bit too far. This is just Iowa City. I, I mean, we, we are a great place, but this is, that's just a bridge too far, you know? So 
that's my update on it. Um, I was down there this morning. I gave public comment. Um, I let them know that they needed to follow the advice from the Department of Treasury. You know, it's just no way around that. Um, and I let them know about that. And I also let them know that they needed to um, improve the ways that they let people use public comment because I saw recently that the um, Iowa City, the um, Iowa City Council wants wants to look at how they use public comment and not allow people to be kicked out of the meetings and things like that. But the Johnson County supervisors, they still haven't changed on that. Um, uh, most of the people that I would hope would be there that I could talk to, they were, you know, on Zoom calls. You know, Ross Sullivan, I, I wish I could have talked to him, but he just wasn't there. So, and with that, um, it's going to be a while because now the, the um, excluded workers are kind of asking you know, to have some more time to look over this because they've discovered that, you know, that the Johnson County supervisors were kind of ignoring the rules that the Treasury had made for the ARP funds. And now we have to go through a whole different process. So. Well, thanks for the update. Um, thanks for keeping track of everything that's going on while you've got other things that you have to worry about. Um, does anyone have any comments? All right. Um, the eighth agenda item is the facilitator process. Um, and my update is just really short. Um, <clears throat> the local, uh, the the local partners that were working on um, their part of the proposal um, after I think our, our last meeting, yeah, um, and meeting with everyone, um, they just wanted more time to be able to make sure that um, they were involved in this <clears throat> so that this would be something that when Kearns and West or, you know, Think Peace or whoever is not involved in this process anymore, that we still have longevity and it can still be a sustainable thing. Um, as of right now, the plan is to present um, proposals on our first meeting in March. Um, and then hopefully by then, um, if we decide that night, then we can um, have it sent to council for approval. Um, but yeah, that's, that is about all the update that I have to give on the facilitator process. Does anyone have any questions? Question for maybe Stephanie. Um, with the funds that have previously been approved for our facilitator, you know, in the last calendar year, does that carry over or do we need to, is there a new process or a renewal? I think Commissioner Ali had asked me that a few weeks ago. So I don't, my memory, I don't recall that resolution ever being countered. So to me, that resolution is, is still there. It was never withdrawn, so. Yeah, and um, I spoke to Jeff Bruin about this. Um, 
because I just was kind of wondering, yeah, like what happens? Should we kind of aim for that $197,000? And if we go under that, then can we, does it have to get approved differently? Um, because I just kind of wanted to know to give them, to give people like a ballpark kind of of what they were looking at. Um, and he said um, that he, he wasn't concerned if it was, you know, like three teams over 200,000 that that money um, would be there. So um, I think that since it, cause it, it was just the 197 that was, yeah, that was voted yes on. So I think we should be good. All right. Are you ready to move on to commissioner announcements? This is so good. We're going to be home and it's not going to be freezing cold, guys. I know. I mean, not so, it is freezing cold, but like it won't be that bad. I can say that for the record. It is freezing cold. <laughs> Um, does anyone have announcements? No, no. I'd like to say Commissioner Harris, it's going to be a good day. <laughs> what? I didn't hear you. Oh, oh that's not good. What was that? What was that? I was saying, I'm saying, wish me a great dad. Yeah, I'm sorry. Yeah, I'm sorry. You know, it's duties that I have to do in my life. I try to get around them, but you know, it 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 just comes first. So, don't apologize. Do you have any announcements, Stephanie? Um, I don't know if it will be the next meeting, but probably at some point in March, um, if commissioners feel comfortable, we're going to try to transition so that you'll actually be setting up here, yeah, versus down there, and then I'll I'll move down there. Um, it, it will help out a lot with the communications department having to, you know, set up because this room's used for other things during the day. So then they have to kind of come over here and set up. So ideally, if people feel comfortable, obviously masks would still be, you know, required um, to just move you up here and the mics would be up here and it just may make for, and, you know, there's um, computer screens there. So it, you, you know, I think it, you'll like to transition as long as everyone is comfortable. And if somebody has any concerns, just reach out to me and. Uh, we can talk through that, but we'll probably be your March 1st or maybe your March 17th meeting. We'll try to get that. Cool. Um, anyone else have anything? Yeah, I do got one thing. Um, um, if, you know, um, I'm part of Dream City right now, so I'm the lead fatherhood coordinator over there. If anybody knows any fathers that need help with things that's going on with them being a father, um, Everybody knows my contact information. Um, you can pass it around. Um, get a hold of me because we have a good program going on over here, and we're helping a lot of fathers. So, um, you know, or you can or you can contact Dream City at any time, or you can, or you can contact me directly because I'm the, you know, I'm the person that you know when you know a father needs help, I'm the person that comes out immediately, and then we work with a plan to help them, you know, because you know. You know, um, kids, you know, there's a lot of kids out here, but f having fathers and kids' lives, that's that's really important. You know, as you can see right now, what I'm doing right now. So, um, you know, um, having fathers and kids' life is really important, you know. And then um, one of the things that we do is we try to help try to resolve disputes between maybe a kid's mom and a kid's dad and, 
uh, we try to help help some of the fathers um, if they are struggling with, you know, they are experiencing homelessness or they're experiencing that they can't get a job because of different barriers. I help them with that and I do that hands on every day. So if you if you know of anybody, link them up with me. I would definitely help them. Thank you. I I wanted to mention that the Kenyan and Congolese communities in Iowa City on Feb 4, they lost uh, a man from the community. He was 42 years old. And I had I had wanted there to be an agenda because uh, we had a vigil on Sunday and the person called the people coordinating the morning and repatriation of the body to Kenya for burial. The some people are feeling that that because he fell on the walk side on friendship on outside 119 friendship street where he works there wasn't even a mention and he clocked out of work ordered an uber and then he was discovered dead at 6 a.m by someone who was walking a dog mm -mm. Mm -mm. it felt that uh, some people, there's a video on this conversation, so I'm not just talking from, uh, they felt that, is it that there's no mention by relevant offices? Is it because he's a black body, he was a black body, and they felt that this has happened sometime earlier. And that is why I had wanted to have that on the agenda, but, because they're very overwhelmed. The communities were not able to organize themselves and get here. And because they had already organized, uh, I've just come from a, a prayer meeting as I came into a meeting. And that's when I was getting cut trouble. That's one of the reasons I got to be late. So, but that is something that we are, dealing with as the African communities, and we will further discuss it on Sunday at our board meeting of the African Communities Network. Thank you. Thank you. Motion to adjourn. Is there a second? We're all good. Have a good night, everyone. Yeah.